What is up team? Welcome back to the show. Today we are talking through the best diet to get lean in 12 weeks. Now realize that this episode is going to be pretty information heavy. So I also made this into a blog. So if you're having trouble grasping anything that I'm talking about here, any of the specific adjustments, etc., click the link in the show notes to read the blog version of this. And no matter what, I made some dope ass graphics in there. So I highly recommend you check it out regardless. All right. So If you're not content with an average physique, you've likely spent the last six to eight months focusing on eating more food and building muscle. Now here's the problem. You still won't look or feel like someone who trains as hard as you do until you get lean enough. This is something we see over and over with new online clients that start the process with us. They've been training their ass off. They've been working hard. They've been working smart both in the gym and less often, but still somewhat common with their nutrition. But they're just not lean enough to look like someone who actually lifts. Um, So really, if you're feeling like your hard work in the gym isn't reflected back to you in the mirror, probably the missing link for you is getting leaner. And again, that is given that you already have a good amount of muscle mass. So realize that if like, hey, I've been training, but I don't think I have very much muscle either. This isn't quite as applicable here. This is very much geared towards someone who has been training for a long period of time. You know you built a good amount of strength and muscle, but you still don't look like someone who's trained as long as you have. So in today's episode, we're digging into the science-based nutrition strategies you need to finally uncover your best physique over the next 12 weeks. So basically, we have this broken down into three phases. Phase one is weeks one through five, which is your rapid fat loss phase. Phase two, week six, is your diet break. Phase three, week seven, is the final push with a floating refeed. So let's start this off by digging into weeks one through five, your rapid fat loss phase. So we know that the more aggressively you lose fat, the higher the risk of muscle loss is during the fat loss process. But the question is, why does muscle loss happen? So really, this comes down to something called net muscle protein balance. So to quote a study by Kevin Tipton and colleagues called assessing the role of muscle protein breakdown in response to nutrition and exercise in humans. Muscle proteins are constantly turning over, i.e. broken down or degraded and synthesized. The balance between the rates of synthesis and degradation of muscle protein pools, i.e. net muscle protein balance or NBAL, determines the amount of that protein in muscle. In particular, changes in the amount of muscle myofibular proteins lead to changes in muscle mass. All right, so to translate that to English, your muscles are essentially built from protein. Muscle protein synthesis, or MPS, is the process of your body repairing or adding to your current muscle protein. But there's another more sinister sinister force at work here. Muscle protein breakdown, or MPB, is the process of your body breaking down muscle protein. So your muscle proteins are basically stuck in this constant battle between MPS and MPB. Sometimes rate of MPS is greater than MPB, sometimes vice versa. But to build muscle, we need positive net protein balance, basically meaning more muscle protein synthesis than muscle protein breakdown has occurred across any given time frame. To lose muscle, more muscle protein breakdown than muscle protein synthesis must have occurred. Now, maintaining or ideally building 
muscle as you get leaner is crucial to achieving an impressive physique at the end of your 12-week fat loss phase here. But most people struggle to reach the body they want, not because they don't get lean enough, but, but because they don't have as much muscle as they need to achieve the aesthetic they want when they are lean. And really, this is a very common struggle for women and men alike, and one we've helped many clients remedy through our online coaching program. So the question here is, why does fat loss put me at risk for muscle loss? So again, like if you've understood with where I'm going with this so far, on one end of the spectrum, we typically have individuals who hey, I have a lot of muscle, but I'm not lean enough to show it. On the other end, we have, individu- we have individuals who, hey, I'm super lean, but I still don't like the way I look when I'm lean because I don't have enough muscle mass. Or like I had a lot of muscle, but across the course of the diet, I didn't do this in the smartest manner. Um, I lost mass. Okay, so the question is again, why does fat loss put me at risk for muscle loss? So to understand why a smart science-based approach to fat loss like our clients use is so important, you first need to understand why you're at risk of losing muscle if you go about fat loss the wrong way. One, your body's rate of muscle protein synthesis is slowed while dieting. So eating in a calorie deficit, aka eating fewer calories than you burn, seems to reduce your baseline levels of muscle protein synthesis as well as the degree to which your body increases muscle protein synthesis as a response to consuming protein. So muscle is an energy expensive tissue, meaning it takes a lot of calories for your body to build and maintain. So in a period of calorie scarcity, it wouldn't make sense for your body to prioritize adding or maintaining loss of this quote unquote expensive tissue. Next, training performance can be worse. So calories are energy. So when you're eating in a calorie deficit for fat loss, you're literally eating in an energy deficit. And thus, of course, you have less energy to freely spend on things like pushing hard in your training. Lifting challenging weights is the primary signal to your body that adding or at least maintaining muscle is important. So if training performance suffers dramatically, maintaining or building muscle while losing fat is much less likely. This is why the nutrient timing recommendations we'll dig into shortly are so important. And then finally, your body is more likely to use protein as a fuel source. So when plenty of energy, aka calories, are available, your body prefers to use carbs and fats as its fuel sources as the process of converting protein to a usable energy source for your body, aka gluconeogenesis, is pretty energy expensive and inefficient. That said, when dieting and short on available energy, your body just doesn't have enough energy coming in in the form of carbs and fats to fuel itself. So it can potentially start breaking down more muscle protein as a fuel source. You'll have more in the tank as far as your ability to train right now because you're not as lean. So after hearing all this, you're probably wondering, why are we starting off with a rapid fat loss phase? Won't that cause me to lose even more muscle? All right, so here's exactly why we're starting off with this. Over a short time frame, four to six weeks, or I should say five weeks in this case, Um, And when you're not as lean, you really don't need to worry nearly as much about muscle loss accompanying rapid fat loss as long as you're training hard. Here's why. One, you're starting at a higher body fat percentage. We do have research that seems to indicate the amount of muscle versus fat loss depends on how lean you are. So think when you're less lean, your body has plenty of fat stores to pull from for energy to compensate for the lack of calories being eaten. This makes muscle protein breakdown less likely. But as you get leaner, probably below about 12% body fat for men and about 18% for women, pushing aggressive fat loss is more likely to result in muscle loss as your muscle protein will suddenly become a much more likely candidate to be broken down for energy. So at the start of a diet, 
given you're not already below 12% body fat or 18% body fat for women, it makes sense to be more aggressive and then slow rate of loss as you get leaner. Next, training performance will still be high. On a similar note to the above point, much of how hard you're able to train, which again is very helpful for preserving or building muscle mass, is tied to how lean you are. Even though calories will be low, which of course does still impact training, but is far from the only factor here, much of the low energy levels associated with dieting come from changes in the hormone leptin. So leptin is essentially your body fat regulator. It's secreted from your body's fat cells. So as fat cells shrink across the course of a fat loss phase, leptin levels also decrease. Low levels of leptin will cause hunger to increase, but will also cause your body to quote unquote put the brakes on any excessive energy expenditure. This means as you get leaner, you also get more lethargic, which is a partial cause of drops in training performance. Now that said, realize that leptin levels are also influenced by carbohydrate intake in the acute setting. So basically levels can be dramatically increased or decreased in a matter of days, depending on your intake. So again, body fat isn't the only thing that matters here, but the fact that you're less lean means that you'll still be able to push much harder in your training on lower calories than you'd be able to later in the diet. Motivation is highest, hunger is lowest, and your energy levels in your training are best during the first month or so of the diet. You're still so fresh to the diet and training performance won't be dramatically impacted, which also means you'll be able to hang on to or even con to continue to build more muscle. And that's why we're going to be pushing along aggressively for the first five weeks before taking a week at maintenance. So let's dig into next your rapid fat loss phase, rate of loss, and macros. So the rate of loss we're going to be adjusting around is 1% to 1.5% of body weight per week. This is also probably a good time to disclaim that these are very general recommendations. Um, you're an individual, so we don't know for sure that all the numbers I'm going to lay out here should fit you or will fit you exactly. As always, just general recommendations, guidelines for you to create your own program that fits you best, not a specific prescription to you. Okay, anyways, rate of loss, 1% to 1.5% of body weight per week. So, for example, a 150-pound woman would be aiming to lose 1.5 to 2.25 pounds per week. Next, calculating calorie intake. First, you need to know your maintenance calories. So, really, if you don't know your maintenance calories already, um, if you're not tracking already, I would just look up a maintenance calorie calculator online. Otherwise, if you've been about maintaining at your current intake, okay, we can assume this is about your maintenance intake. If you've slowly been gaining, um, then we can assume, like, let's say you've been gaining two pounds a month. Okay, then across the course of a month, you were eating 3,500 extra calories. Then reverse engineer that to, okay, per day, I'm about this larger deficit. Um, I'll explain that a little bit more in just a moment. Now from there, again, we need to determine how many pounds per week you need to be losing to hit the desired rate of loss. So as another example, a 200 pound man losing 1.5% of body weight per week would be losing three pounds per week. So we know that eating 3,500 calories below your maintenance equals one pound of fat lost. So if you needed to lose two pounds per week, you need to eat 1,000 calories below your maintenance intake across the course of a week. So again, and this is really how we calculate your deficit. All right, so for example, we know, like I just started my fat loss phase this week. So we know for me, okay, my maintenance calories currently, 
Um, I'm 230 pounds, but I'm not someone that moves a ton. I get about five to six K steps per day. I train about six days per week. Now I've tracked this shit so consistently for a long time. I know currently my maintenance is right around 20 or excuse me, 3,100 to 3,200. Now let's start about my fat loss phase. We knew, okay, I want to lose right around two pounds per week. So if I maintain at 3,100 to 3,200 calories per day, um, we can either look at that on a weekly scale. So multiply that number times seven, and then, okay, I want to lose two pounds per week. So subtract 7,000 from that total number, or really the easiest way to look at it is, okay, Hey, I need to eat 7,000 calories below my maintenance per week or 1,000 calories below my maintenance per day. So for example, now like my starting, okay, so my maintenance was 3,100 to 3,200. So to lose two pounds per week, I need to eat about a thousand calories less per day. So my deficit intake should be 2,100 to 2,200. Next, calculating macros. So first and foremost, protein is crazy important here. One, it's the most filling food. So making it a focal point of every meal will help prevent cravings and overeating. Two, the amino acids in protein are the building blocks of muscle tissue. So plenty of dietary protein is a must to prevent your body from breaking down muscle protein due to lack of available protein via your diet. And three, it burns the most calories during digestion. All foods have a thermic effect, meaning they actually burn calories while being digested. Protein by far burns the most calories during digestion. So protein burns about 20 to 30%, um, carbs about five to 15%, fat about zero to 5%. So basically eating plenty of protein is very important for the physique you want and can even speed up your fat loss a bit. Next we have fats. So fats are important to prevent major hormonal disruption as many of your hormones are actually built in part from dietary fat. That said, there's a very clear ceiling where we stop receiving the major benefits from eating more fat. So more isn't necessarily better. More is definitely not better to pass a certain extent. And then finally we have carbs. So once you've hit the recommended doses of the above, it's smart to fill the remainder of your calories with carbs. Remember, you're not just here to lose fat. You also want to maintain or ideally build as much muscle as possible. This is very much a product of how hard you're able to train during your diet. So carbs are the fuel source your body prefers to burn and the one it runs on most optimally when you're training to build muscle. When training in the five to 15 rep range, which is where a majority of your train of your sets should be for muscle gain or maintenance, most of your sets will be, or will last around 20 to 40 seconds. Your energy system responsible for fueling intense bouts of training in the 20 to 40 second range is fueled exclusively by carbs. And that is your anaerobic lactic system. So filling the remainder of your calories with carbs is essential to fueling your training to the best of your ability and achieving the results you want at the end of this diet. So final macro recommendations would be set protein around 1 to 1.5 grams per pound of body weight, set fat around 0.3 to 0.4 grams per pound of body weight, and fill the remaining calories with carbs. And a few other final key considerations during your first five weeks of rapid fat loss. One is nutrient timing. So for someone who's been training multiple years like you, whether you build, maintain, or lose muscle during this cut is largely a product of how well you manage the smaller but still important details. And one such detail you shouldn't overlook is nutrient timing. So first, it's smart to consume three to five meals or snacks with three to five hours between, each containing 30 grams plus of protein. Not only will having 30, uh, 30 gram plus bolus of protein help you achieve the quote unquote satiating dose needed to get the maximum amount of fullness from your meals, which the really the satiating dose 
aka the amount of protein we need to eat in a meal to get the maximum fullness from it. It's thought to be around 20 grams of protein. It'll also help you stimulate muscle protein synthesis more frequently. We need about 2.5 grams of the amino acid leucine, which is found in protein, to optimally stimulate muscle protein synthesis. This is known as your leucine threshold. So consuming 30 grams of protein from a quality source is a safe bet to ensure you've hit this leucine threshold. So really like think of leucine, hitting your leucine threshold as a trigger for muscle protein synthesis. Um, so the question arises, why not just eat all of my protein with a single meal? So upon consuming protein, once enough protein is taken in to saturate the muscle, the muscle full effect happens. So basically approximately 30 minutes after consuming an adequate bolus of protein and leucine, rate of muscle protein synthesis triples. At about 90 minutes, rate of muscle protein synthesis peaks before returning to the baseline level in about two to three hours. So this return to muscle protein synthesis baseline occurs regardless of how much protein is still available in your bloodstream. So you need to re-simulate muscle protein synthesis in a few feedings across the day to consistently keep rate of muscle protein synthesis high. So really as long as you get about three to four feedings with three to five hours in between and one pre-bed would be smart, you are probably in a good place here. Next, we have carb timing. So the reality of aggressive dieting is carbs will be limited. One more time, you want to do everything possible to ensure you're still crushing your training. This means it's smart to center most of your daily carb intake pre and post workout. This will have you better fuel during your training and better recovering afterwards. And then finally, we have steps, which I would really argue is one of the most underrated keys to quick fat loss. As we know, fat loss comes down to energy balance. If calories in are greater than calories out, you will gain weight. If calories in are less than calories out, you will lose weight. Everything we've discussed so far relates to manipulating calories in, but that doesn't matter much if calories out are constantly varying. See, along with the decrease in leptin while dieting comes a down regulation in NEAT, or non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So movements like pacing, fidgeting, blinking, etc make up a good chunk of the calories you burn via NEAT. And really these calories you burn via NEAT in turn do make up a good chunk of the calories you burn in a day. So when we look at the components of your metabolism, basically we have your basal metabolic rate, calories burned at rest, so even if you didn't move all day, you would still burn the same amount of calories through BMR or basal metabolic rate. This typically accounts for about 60 to 70% of calories burned. Next we have NEAT which typically accounts for about 15 to 25% of calories burned in a day. The thermic effect of food, about 10 to 15% of calories burned per day. And the thermic effect of exercise, which is a measly about 5% of calories burned per day. So when our body senses less energy or food coming in, it does try to prevent fat loss by reducing NEAT. Now, one of the best ways to, and as you noticed, or as you heard, NEAT does make up a pretty big chunk of our metabolism. It's the biggest piece of our metabolism that we can actually manipulate. So one of the best ways to counteract this part of your metabolism drastically downregulating is simply to set a step goal. If you're not currently hitting a step goal, I would simply make an effort to walk a reasonable amount over the next few days, track your steps, and determine a realistic number you can hit daily. Over the next 12 weeks, ensure you hit this to prevent any dramatic downregulations in calories out, and of course, stall fat loss. So by the end of week five, You've lost 5 to 7.5% of your body weight. So a 150-pound woman could have lost 7 to 9 pounds by this point. Go work. Now it's time for the diet break, which is week 6. So you're going to dramatically increase your calorie intake for the next week. 
basically taking it back to maintenance levels. Here's what to do. One, determine your average rate of loss over the last three weeks. Two, remember the 3,500 calories below maintenance equals one pound of fat loss guideline we talked about before. Use this to determine how large a deficit you're currently in based on rate of loss. So for example, if you're losing two pounds per week, you're in a 7,000 7, calorie per week or 1,000 calorie per day deficit. And just reverse engineer from there to establish what your maintenance calorie intake is. And then finally, bump calories back up to your maintenance intake, ideally keeping protein and fat intake the same as they have been so far and ramping up carbs exclusively. So if you were in a thousand calorie per day deficit, you'd increase carbs by 250 grams per day for the next week. So the question you're probably wondering is, why take a diet break? First, we refill your muscle glycogen stores. So muscle glycogen is essentially carbohydrate stored in your muscle and liver. Having larger stores of this is beneficial to your ability to train hard. But of course, as carbs get more limited on a diet, muscle glycogen stores decrease, which in turn can hurt your ability to train hard. So taking a, a diet break allows you to refill muscle glycogen stores and improve training quality pretty dramatically. Next, diet breaks decrease hunger. A recent study on one-week diet breaks by Jackson Pios and colleagues seemed to show they're an effective tool to decrease hunger and desire to eat. And it, by the way, the way, if you want to check that out, the study was called a one-week diet break improves muscle endurance during an intermittent dieting regime in adult athletes, a pre-specified secondary analysis of the ice cap trial. And then finally, we have mental preparation for the fat loss phase. So really, a large part of the benefits of the diet break is psychological. Typically, the larger the deficit you're in, the more challenging it will be to maintain mentally. This is further compounded by the fact that you're still training hard at least four times per week. So fortunately, taking a one-week diet break in the same study I mentioned just now has been shown to decrease irritability and increase alertness and will have you refreshed and ready to push hard again. And then some final diet break considerations. One is food choices. The biggest diet break mistake people make is thinking that a diet break is a time to just constantly eat lots of calorie-dense foods. This pretty quickly puts you over your calorie goal and isn't a realistic picture of how you need to eat long-term to sustain your results. So stick mostly to the foods you normally eat, just in greater quantities. When you try to work in too many calorically dense foods, you can easily eat more calories but be less satiated than when you were on your diet. Next is weight gain. You'll feel a bit fluffier and weigh a bit more, anywhere from two to five pounds more. Your body is holding more water and your gut content has increased. This doesn't mean you've gained fat back. Remember, if calories in are equal to calories out, which is the goal of a diet break, you won't gain fat. And then finally, mindset. This isn't just a time where you eat whatever and don't track. Think of this as a time of practicing maintenance along with a chance to refuel your body and prepare mentally for the next six week fat loss phase. All right, and then finally we have weeks six to 12 which leads us to the final fat loss push. So you put in a lot of work over the last six weeks, it's time to finish this cut strong. You'll be taking a bit different approach for the next six weeks versus what you did for the first six. So our rate of loss here is gonna be 0.5 to 1% of body weight per week. So now that you're getting very lean, we're following the recommendations given by Eric Helms and colleagues for natural bodybuilders. Um, this was a paper by Eric Helms, Alan Aragon, and Peter Fishin titled Evidence-Based Recommendations for Natural Bodybuilding Contest Preparation, Nutrition, and Supplementation. Because the reality is you're getting pretty damn lean by this point. Just like a natural bodybuilder, you wanna hold on to as much muscle mass as possible. 
So it makes sense for us to use the nutritional strategies and really the training strategies of a bodybuilder. And honestly, I would consider most clients that we work with gym pop bodybuilders. So to quote the paper, caloric intake should be set at a level that results in body weight losses of approximately 0.5 to 1% per week to maximize muscle retention. Within this caloric intake, most but not all bodybuilders will respond best to consuming 2.3 to 3.1 kg of lean body mass per day of protein, 15 to 30% of calories from fat, and the remainder of calories from carbohydrate. So basically our macro recommendations are similar, but our protein intake has, or excuse me, our rate of loss has slowed. This slower rate of loss means you'll likely also be able to eat a bit more than before. Now, this will help keep your training quality high as you get further in the diet and also make sure the remainder of the diet is much easier to stick to mentally as you have more calories to work with. All right, next, calculating calorie intake. So again, determine how many pounds per week you need to be losing to hit the desired rate of loss. Determine your current maintenance calories. Remember that eating 3,500 calories below maintenance intake equals one pound of fat lost. So if you need to lose one pound per week, you need to eat 3,500 calories below your maintenance intake across the week or 500 calories less per day. Next, calculating macros. Again, these stay the same as before um, and the same considerations for nutrient timing and its important supply as well. So basically one to 1.5 grams of protein per day um, per pound of body weight per day. Fat, 0.3 to 0.4 grams per pound of body weight, and fill the remaining calories with carbs. And then finally, we have implementing the floating refeed day. So one new element that we're adding here is a floating refeed day. So really, you can consider this a mini diet break. Basically, it's a single optional day at maintenance that you can use once per week on the day of your preference. In an ideal world, you'd apply the same macro approach as the diet break here, meaning increased calories mostly via carbs to replenish muscle glycogen stores, which again, really helps out your training. But the real benefits of the floating refeed is as an adherence tool to stick out these last six weeks of your diet. So it's okay if you'd prefer to add in more fat and less carbs as long as you control calories. Knowing that you have the flexibility to work in more glasses, a few more glasses of wine or a bit more food at your favorite restaurant while out to dinner if you want to once per week really allows our online clients to see the diet through. That said, remember this is optional. If it doesn't feel needed and you'd rather see quicker fat loss, you're welcome to stay in the deficit. All right, so a few final considerations to wrap this up. Over the six weeks of the final fat loss push, you can realistically lose another point, or excuse me, 2.5 to 5% of your body weight per week. This puts your total at 7.5 to 12.5% of body weight lost over the last 12 weeks. So an initially 200 pound man could have dropped all the way to a shredded 175, and an initially 150 pound woman could have dropped all the way to a lean 132. You've also been able to maintain, if not build muscle, and likely have uncovered your best physique yet. Really, I can't recommend enough you check out the blog version of this episode. And there I have an example of my online client, Michael, who went through a very similar process to this. Quick, aggressive fat loss, but his body changed so dramatically. Because really, these are the same science-backed strategies we implement with all of our online clients undergoing the physique transformation process. So if you're ready to be coached one-to-one by our team to your best physique ever, click the link in the show notes to apply for coaching with our team. All right, fam, that is all I have for y'all today. As always, thank you for tuning in.